You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number 61. Boy, have we got a story for you today. We are talking to Rachel, who is one of Megan's own VBAC doula clients. And she was one of the very first people to take our Mm in-person VBAC parents preparation course here in Utah. And oh my gosh, I remember Megan texting me updates through her birth and I cannot wait to hear her story in her own words. But before we do that, Megan has a pretty awesome review of the week for us. I do. I do. And I'm pretty sure... Everyone knows who this review is from because she is amazing. So, and if you don't, you need to go follow her page right now on Instagram and Facebook. It's Badass Mother Birther. And we love her. She's amazing. (laughs) So she left us a review and it really, really touched our hearts. It says, as I listen so intently, this podcast is for every birthing parent, not just for parents who have had VBACs or are wanting one. This podcast displays a wide range of births and emotions. The stories take you to the heart of what birth is. It's everything all at once. It's planning for so much and hoping for the best, but not being promised anything. It's hearing the stories unfold, however they do. It's not just success stories. It's the path and the journey in between as well. These stories connect us and as humans, and they teach us. As a VBAC mom myself, I resonate with so much, especially hearing the stories of how mothers wound up with their cesareans and how their feelings can accompany that. Often we are told that a healthy baby is all that matters. And while it's an important factor, it's not the only thing that matters. Women are not just vessels. We are humans that yearn for the births and health of a bigger level. Our births affect us and the, for the rest of our lives, and this podcast gives good insight into that heart of the birth and how it affects us. That just gave me cheers. Yes. Look at my arms. I know, I have chills. right? You yes. guys, she does. She has chills. I really do. That is like one of the, my most favorite reviews ever, and coming from badass mother birther, like really, she's a VBAC mom. Guys, listen up. I think we should have her on the podcast one day. What do you think? think If you want to see her on the podcast, send us a message and send her a message too. And um, we've been talking and I think all we'll need to do is ask her and I'm sure that she'd be happy to be on. But let's get a little encouragement going on. And and my friend, I know you're listening in. So let's get that scheduled pretty quickly (laughs) now. (laughs) In case you didn't know, we love reviews. We love reviews. We love them. We love them. We love them. It's one of the things, in fact, it's probably the biggest thing that keeps us going and that helps motivate us when things get a little tough. And let me tell you what, the best news ever is hearing how this podcast helps somebody have a successful birth experience or how we're helping you as you prepare. So if you haven't already had a chance, why don't you pause this episode right now and head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or or Podbean, or wherever you're listening to your podcast from, or even Facebook, or we're on Google My Business now, so you can just Google the VBAC link and leave us a review. There are so many ways that you can make our day by leaving us a sweet, sweet review, just like Badass Mother Birther did. I just love that name, Badass Mother Birther. I could say it all day. It's amazing. Anyways, well, we're going to get to our fun little intro, and after that, Rachel is going to share her story with us. 
You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, happy Podcast Wednesday, Women of Strength. We have an amazing story for you today. And like Julie said, this is from one of my very own clients who I hold near and dear to my heart. She is amazing. And her name is Rachel. So we're going to turn the time over to her to tell you her journey. Okay, do I start now? Yep. Yes. Okay. So I guess I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about myself first. I have three kids. Roger, he's almost five. Bo is almost three. And Meredith is, I think, almost three months now. Oh, my gosh. I, Megan, I feel like we just, like I just had her. I, I was going to say, like, we just had her. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just had you her. You a big part of the story. <laughs> yes. But, oh, man, I can't believe I have three kids. It's crazy. Um so I guess I'll just start off by, by telling you about Roger's birth. So his birth was the birth that made me hate hospitals. And okay, I shouldn't say hate hospitals. Greatly dislike birthing at hospitals. That's what I should say. So Roger's birth was the birth that really made me dislike birthing in a hospital because just of all the chaos that surrounded this event. So Roger, he was induced at 39 weeks pregnant because... I was told that I had gestational diabetes, which I actually don't think I did. I was like 115 pounds at the time. I wish I was like that now. <laughs> but <That's> normally, me. <laughs> I know. But normally, um, I've heard that if you're if you're more, a little more heavy, then you're more prone to it. I'm not sure if that's true, but I don't think I really had it. They never did the second test. They just did the first test, and I guess I had a really high number. So they're like, "Yep, you had it." So they highly encouraged me to get induced at 39 weeks. And it was my first kid. I wanted this baby out of me. So I was super excited. I was like, yeah, I'll get induced. And I also felt pressure to get induced just a little bit because my mother-in-law, this was her first grandkid. She wanted to be there. And so I was like, okay. And so we had her scheduled to come just shortly after uh, Roger's you know, shortly after the induction. And I felt like, okay, I have to go through with this induction for that. So advice to anybody who is going to have family members flying, schedule that a few weeks, if not a month or two after the birth, just because then you won't feel pressure to get induced. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so Roger was born in Rexburg, Idaho, and he was in distress a lot. Um, It was really hard. They broke my water and as soon as that happened, the contractions just got really bad. I didn't get an epidural until probably when I was in transition. I think my total labor for him was 21 hours. But when I was in transition, the nurses were like, okay, now or never. Like, do you want the epidural or not? And I did have a doula with Roger's birth. Her name was also Megan. Mm-hmm. And so I think that having a doula for his birth really helped to avoid a C-section she helped me in different positions 
I did end up giving in and getting the epidural because the nurses are like, now or never. And so Megan, she helped me just, you know, get in different positions to help Roger, to help his stats go back to normal. And then eventually I did have a vaginal birth with him. The details on that birth is kind of fuzzy because I mostly remember what happened after that. So as soon as Roger was born, his heart rate, I think it went to 215 immediately. And then like an hour or maybe less than that later, it went to 315. And that is super, super, super high for not only a baby, but for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we were terrified. They gave him to me immediately to nurse because we were trying to get his heart rate down. And I was so out of it from the epidural. I was just delusional. That's probably why I barely remember it. And oh my goodness. And I had had Pitocin too. So not only did I have some back labor with that labor, but Pitocin, which made it worse. And anyways, so they couldn't get his heart rate down. So they sent him to the NICU and this was just like a small little hospital in Rexburg. So they didn't really have the equipment to deal with this type of situation. So after 24 hours, we were Well, the decision was made to life flight Roger to primary children's in Salt Lake. And I was, I did not want my baby to be taken away from me, especially so far away. So I insisted on going with him. The doctor and a lot of nurses tried to talk me out of it, but I just knew I had to be with my baby. I just couldn't bear the thought of leaving him. So I actually went on the airplane with him. And that was the most scary thing ever because I kept, I just remember I was sitting there with my eyes closed in the airplane and I could just hear Roger wailing. It turns out he actually wasn't crying at all. <laughs> I don't know what I was hearing, but in my mind, I was just hearing him wailing. And yeah. I just badly wanted to hold him. But we got to primaries and oh, and it was it was really hard. He was in this little, this little um, NICU bed. I don't know what it's called, this little crib, mm-hmm. but he was the biggest baby in that room. Like there were other babies who were so tiny and mm. so fragile, but he stayed in there a week. And the, I think one of the hardest parts was not knowing when we were going to go home. Mm. They discovered that he had SVT. And so that's just where you have an extra pathway in your heart and it gets caught up in a, like in a electric circle kind of. Mm. And so thankfully he can get out of SVT on his own now his body will go into it randomly and then get out of it. So he's on medication now and he's, he's good. But it was really scary when we didn't know what was going to happen. So a few days after we had been life flighted to primaries, my mother-in-law, she was scheduled to come and visit us. And my husband was in Rexburg and he was finishing finals and everything. And she was going to fly into Salt Lake and then take a bus to Rexburg. But I thought, oh, well, maybe she can just stay with us at Ronald McDonald House. And that way she can see Roger. And it would be really, really awesome for her to get to see her her first grandkid right away. Well, that situation became a little more difficult as um, we were waiting to find out what was wrong with Roger. So my mom had driven up while I was being life-flighted and then having my mother-in-law there, too. This was the first grandbaby on both sides. And... It it seemed like there was just a little bit of competition between them subconsciously, I guess. Like they didn't realize that that they were competing for, you know, his attention and my attention. But that's how it felt to me. And 
they'll both be listening to this, so I, I don't want to hurt any feelings because I love them both so dearly. But yeah. I do think that I do think that having my mother-in-law there hurt my relationship with her just a little bit, and I'm sure she would agree with this. And we are totally good now. We have the most wonderful relationship, and I'm really grateful for her. Yeah. But I think it was hard just because she wanted to be a part of everything. And since I was in such a fragile state, I just wanted my mom. So I kind of pushed mm-hmm. my mother-in-law away a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to cry. Um, and, and I felt like it hurt my relationship with my mother-in-law. And I just wish that I could go back and just tell her, no, just go to Rexburg. We'll be there soon. That way I could skip all of the, all of the events that kind of made us have hard, hard, I can't talk, made us have hard feelings towards each other. But now we're good and I'm really grateful about that. But I think that this birth, like just everything that happened is why whenever I go to a hospital, it's like a trigger for me. Yeah. So that was Roger's birth. Sorry. Sorry. That was long. Um, and then, no, it was just a hard thing to go through. You know, it wasn't, you know, a, a cesarean, but it was traumatic birth and, and relationships and all the intricate things connecting to each other. And primary children's is far away from Rexburg and mm-hmm. you, you had a lot going on and it's, a, it's just a lot to go through, especially as a brand new mom. Yeah. And I, I didn't even know what, what to do. Like I, I was so young. I didn't know what decisions to make in the at primaries and it was really hard um okay so for Bo's birth he's my second kid and his birth was a lot more simple but he was my c-section baby Mm. so I had him at uh, a hospital near my home here in Sandy and I had seen some midwives that were working in the hospital like they work under a doctor and I was really excited because I thought, oh, midwives, like that'll give me a better chance at, you know, having a really good delivery, having the, the birth that I want, not any pressure. But again, I can't quite remember what happened with those births, and I'm not sure why. I do remember, though, that I didn't have a doula, and the midwife that was scheduled or that was on call, she wasn't quite my favorite, and so I was kind mm-hmm. of disappointed about that. And I remember. I had back-to-back contractions, and I had back labor that was worse than with Roger. And I, I don't. I think Bo was induced. Yeah, he was induced at 41 weeks. That's right. And that was a really hard labor because of all the back labor. So I gave in to the epidural just earlier than I had with Roger, and that kind of caused things to slow down. So again, he was in distress. I was bleeding, and there was one thing that the midwife told me that kind of haunts me a little bit. She said, Rachel, you're bleeding more than we, or what did she say? Rachel, you're bleeding more than we would like to see. And I, when I looked back at my report, it didn't really say that I was bleeding a whole ton. I felt like she just wanted me to get a C-section, and that might not be true, but that's just how I felt. And Mm. so she said, you know, I prayed about this and I feel like we need to have a C-section. And because she was of the same religion as me, I'm like, oh, she prayed about it. Okay. It must be true. But what I should have done was listen to my motherly intuition. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of, it's um, kind of, it was kind of inappropriate. I felt like from her, but I don't know, maybe she really did feel like that, but 
It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I'll never really know if she how she really felt, but I just knew from the beginning, like whenever I would have an appointment with her, something just didn't feel quite right. And so looking back now, I think I should have made sure that like I got <laughs> a different midwife. But mm-hmm. I just remember she brought my doctor in and apparently Megan told me uh, that he has a really high C-section rate. Megan, do you remember what it was? It was 46%. Yeah, and, and he, as soon as he came in, I, I just remember he didn't really do anything. He just listened to the midwife and let, he was like, yep, I think we need to take her into a C-section. And I, it was just so, so weird. And so I got a C-section and I remember after that, I didn't really want to hold my baby and I'm not sure why, but I was just so traumatized from everything. But eventually I, you know, I did hold Bo and we bonded and everything turned out okay. But I was just so upset at myself not being able to deliver vaginally. And I really think it could have been avoided, that C-section. Okay, so I guess we'll talk about this birth with Meredith. Yeah. So I knew I wanted a doula after not having one for Bo's birth because, you know, I had had one with Roger and I had had a vaginal birth with Roger. And I knew that a doula increases your chance by a lot. Julie, do you know how much that is? I know that it reduces your cesarean by 39%. So so increases your, maybe that's the same thing. I'm not sure. Which I I should be. Now I feel like I'm not a statistics geek. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. So do those reduce your chance of cesarean by 39%. Spontaneous vaginal delivery, so which means like non-induced births, it increases, I think, Mm -hmm. by... 19% 19% or something like that. But like overall, really good things doulas do. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I knew that I wanted Megan to be my doula. Like not even that I wanted her. I just knew she was going to be my doula. <laughs> kind of weird. So I had just moved to Sandy. This was after, oh man, was this after Roger's birth? I can't yeah. remember. Yes. And you I, created, yeah, I, you created that group. That group. Yeah. Yes, Sandy moms or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Megan and joined was, that group. And I didn't even live in Sandy, but I joined it. It I was, was like, fate. oh, Sandy's yeah. close. Like, it I want to hang fate. out with some friends. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then Megan and I kept making plans uh, just like two or three times to hang out and it never happened. I know. And <laughs> I've never heard this and story. And I knew you were a doula. Yep. And I don't know why I didn't hire you with both birth, but... I, I think I was just like, oh, I'll just do the midwives. I don't need a doula for that. But with Meredith's birth, I knew I, I was like, okay, I remember Megan. And I had chatted with you a few times before that, yeah. like before I was even pregnant with her. And so I knew as soon as I had a baby that Megan was going to be my doula. And, Aww, as, I love it. and I remember we met up at that park with our kids yep. and you just seemed so familiar like I, I'd swear, or I would have sworn I'd met you before or something. So I just knew that Macon was supposed to be a part of my birth. It did Aww. feel like that. It felt like we had been friends forever, but the funny thing was is we had never met in person. That's like, so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really cool. I that that just makes me smile. Makes me almost want to cry. Man, I'm getting emotional this time. <laughs> I love it. I love the emotions. <laughs> okay, so Meredith's birth. February 13th was when my labor began. I had chosen to go with midwives Eve German and Rebecca McInnes at the birth center. As soon as I walked into that place, I knew that that was where I wanted my baby to be. And so I remember I I had been with them for several months, 
And then I talked about how Bo, I was talking to Eve about how Bo, he had to be induced at 41 weeks. And she told me, oh, well, yeah, if you go after 41 weeks, like we can't help you here since you're a VBAC. And that seemed so weird to me and it didn't settle right with me. Something just felt off. Like I, I just had a funny feeling. So I told Eve, okay, well, you know, I had one baby go that late, so who knows if this baby will. I'm going to look around and talk to other birth centers. And so Eve was so incredibly helpful. She did all this research. She found some new research to support moms being able to be back safely after 41 weeks. And so she told me that, and I was so excited. And I just remember at our last visit, she told me how grateful she was that I, I stuck up for myself and for my baby because it helped them to be able to find new research so that they can help moms in the future who are after 41 weeks. And, you know, that made me feel really good. <laughs> so anyways, I knew I wanted to be with them. And there was something special about both of the midwives. Like, I literally didn't care who was going to be on call. So with my third trimester, I had a lot of health problems. I was severely anemic, and I had to have an iron IV, which after that, I felt so much better. So if if doctors or midwives ever tell you to get an iron IV, just do it because it helps so much. Yes. And I had a lot. Yeah, it was great. I had a lot of pelvic pain. I felt like Meredith's head was just right on top of my cervix. And basically, I was just a miserable mess. Like, I just felt like a beached whale my entire third trimester. So <laughs> Megan told me about your guys' class, the feedback link. Yes. What's it called? It's called the course right now. The parents prep prep course. Yeah. And I was really excited and it it seemed like a little, at first I was worried because of the price, but I am so, so grateful that I went to that course. I feel like just the knowledge and confidence I gained from it just made me so much stronger and it gave me confidence to stand up to the OB that you'll hear about my story and just stand up for myself and for my baby because as moms, we're advocates for our babies. Yeah. And it, and it just made me so much more confident. So I'm so glad. See. It was so fun to have you there. That was the first mm-hmm. time I met you. And <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah, it was so fun. And you guys did such a great job. And I'm I'm thrilled that it's online now because oh, now thanks. anybody can go. Yeah. Yep. And then you don't have to sit there for four hours, which was really fun. It went by really fast. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> and for Utah, we still do in person. Yeah. It's so nice that everybody can have that option to take the course. If you are in Utah and you want to go in person, I say do it. It was so much fun. <laughs> I agree. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. Um, on February 13th, 4 a.m. is when my contraction started. So I kind of thought, okay, this isn't real because I'd have been having so much Braxton Hicks and they were really painful, the Braxton Hicks were. So I was like, oh, that's probably what these are, just Braxton Hicks contractions. They began to fade off and on, but they were still coming every 10, 30 minutes. And they lasted all day. And I remember Megan saying, well, I can come over and I can try to help you get the baby in a better position because that's what we were thinking was maybe things weren't progressing because she was posterior. Mm -hmm. So she came over to my house late in the evening and we did all these crazy things to try to get the baby in the position, like the 
shake apples or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just all these all these awesome things. And I feel like we did get her into position, didn't we? Yeah, things kind of shifted for a little bit. Yeah, and and then I, you know, I the, the contraction started to get worse, which was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then my mom, she kept, she had been messaging me all day saying. I think that it's time that I that we come down because she lives in Rexburg, so it would be like a three and a half four hour drive. And I kept saying, "No, mom, like these aren't real. Just stay where you're at," because I didn't want the same thing to happen with Roger's birth, where I felt pressured to like be induced. You know, I didn't want her to have to be here longer than she needed to be. So they ended up coming anyways. She said, "I really feel like we need to come," and I said, "Okay." So she came at about ten forty five p.m. and then we went to the birth center, and I I just was having intense back labor. I think I was dilated to a three, and I can't quite remember. I think it was that night that Eve suggested I get Percocet, I'm missing that right, and Ambien. And rest, yep. Yeah, and so she said that if you're really in labor, when you wake up in the morning, things will have progressed. But if you're not in labor, all, this medication should you know make everything stop. So I was like, okay, sweet. And I was secretly hoping it would make everything stop because, <laughs> yes, I wanted to birth this baby, but it was so painful. And I just knew I needed sleep. Like, my body was just saying, you need to rest. And I literally felt like this my entire labor, which ended up being 48 hours long, I think. Like, my body just needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I felt like someone was just whispering in my ear, do whatever you can to just sleep and she'll come. So <laughs> that night... I did not sleep, actually. Oh. So the, the medication made me really groggy, but it did not, not even touch my pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I was trying to get through contractions, like being like a zombie. I was so tired, and it was hard to cope. So I labored all night through that. And it's funny how when you're in labor, like time doesn't really exist, which I'm yeah. grateful for. <laughs> so I had horrible sleep, and then I labored all through the next day. And remember, this only felt like a, sh- like a few hours, like the night felt really short, and then the next day felt really short, which I'm grateful for. But about at 9 p.m. the next night, my contractions significantly worsened, which I honestly didn't think was possible. They were excruciating. I felt like I was being tortured. And now they were coming every few minutes, and it was unbearable. And I just remember I was hysterically crying. And I think Megan might have come over earlier that day. I can't yeah, remember. I came over it's to the birth fuzzy. center. Yeah. Yes, that's that's right. It's so fuzzy because it's like a blur. So I remember that Megan kept coming over, and then we kept going to the birth center, and then she'd go home and because things weren't happening. Oh, it was so rough. So we called Eve. This was late that night. And we decided to go to the birth center for her to check my progress. And I just remember feeling just feeling inspired to do whatever I could to get some sleep because I knew that my body needed it and I knew that my baby needed it Mm -hmm. because like, can you imagine how much, you know, stress Meredith was going through on the inside of me? And I, I just knew something had to change. So while we were driving to the birth center, Clay, my husband and I talked about going to the hospital for an epidural. if I was still at a four so if I happened to be in transition, which I was hoping for, because I knew that when you're ready to give up, it's normally when you're in transition, mm-hmm. and I would just labor and deliver at the birth center. 
So that's what I was hoping for. But I remember Eve checked me, nope, you're still at a four. Oh, and honestly, my gosh. <laughs> I was a little irritated, but I felt relief. Like, Because you had a plan. Oh, you knew what you were going to do. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Eve was like, I totally support you. And one thing that she said stuck out to me, it was, sometimes we have to change our plan to reach our end result, to reach our end goal, the VBAC. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that just, you know, I just love how supportive she was of me. Yeah. And so I just can't describe how clearly thoughts entered my mind that were not my own, like just telling me to do whatever was necessary to let my body rest. So I was at a, a four and we decided to go to the hospital. And I just remember the midwives always told me to follow my motherly instincts. So yeah. I knew deep down that I, something needed to change. And when we got to the hospital, I remember I I was, like, walking to the room with a contraction the whole time. I probably looked, like, so ridiculous. But Megan was walking <laughs> next to me, and we were walking so slow. And we, we finally got to the room, and the OB came in, and she highly encouraged me to either start Pitocin or break my water. I did not want to break my water because I was worried that that would – make contractions come like really fast and they were already so painful. So I agreed to a tiny amount of Pitocin and then obviously I wanted the epidural and she agreed and she explained how it was super important to get things going since me and my baby and my uterus had been working nonstop for two days. Yeah. That's a long time. It was, it was really rough. (laughs) Yeah. And so at midnight it took the anesthesia, I can't say that word, anesthesiologist, to attempt at placing the epidural catheter for it to work. The first time, like, it didn't do anything. And, oh, oh this whole this whole labor, I felt prompted to avoid laying on my side. Plus, the pain was more intense on my side. Mm. So when he was inserting the epidural, and then, you know, the first time, I had to lay on my side. And it was the most excruciating thing. I can't even explain it. So... So the second time the epidural took place and finally the relief was gone and Megan and Clay just helped me so much through all that pain laying on my side. Like they would push on my hips and and my knees and it just took the edge off. So once the, once the epidural took place and you know, it finally worked, I slept for about an hour and a half and then at 3am I had a cervical check. I was six centimeters, and then I think they turned off the Pitocin at that time, too. Yep. And then I went back to sleep, and then when I woke up, the nurse said, you're complete. And I was like, what does that Whoa. mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like... How much time went, had passed mean? since you got to the hospital? Well, my baby was born at about 4.15, I think. I feel like it was like an hour after she was... It was six. Yeah. I your birth story. Oh my gosh. Not, I mean, it was I quite, quite so fast. It was, and that was, was on my birthday, hours. by the way. Yeah, it was maybe. Did yeah. you know that? <laughs> Meredith's born on my birthday. I think Megan told me that. Yep. <laughs> I was excited so, about that. So when she, when I said, what did that mean? I was thinking she meant like I was still 90 to 100% of face, which I had been nearly all day. 
And she's like, you're at a 10. We can start pushing now. And so I'm like, Megan, wake up. Yeah, I was was sleeping. Yeah. We were all asleep. Yeah, you you all needed a rest. Yeah, we were all sleeping. You've been working for a long time. Something, too, that I want to point out, too, is, like, you knew exactly, like, you like, I need to sit up. I need to sit up. I need to sit oh, up. I forgot to mention yeah. that. And yes. like, everyone's like, no, like, <laughs> lay down, get rest. And you're like, I feel like I need to sit up. And then you did. And then it was like, boom. Like, everything Yeah, changed. that's right. Yeah. So she had been a little bit in distress. Man, mm. it's funny how everything's a blur. But yeah, and they, the nurses kept saying, no, you know, just lay on your side. Let's flip you over to the other side. And remember, it was still painful with the epidural. Like, I could still feel everything. And I remember feeling this terrible, terrible pressure, which looking back now, I think that was my body trying to like push my baby out. Yeah. I think that was when I got closer to the end and it just felt way better to sit up. And so I, I sat up and finally they listened to me. I, I'm pretty insistent. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I'm fine with a confrontation. So once <laughs> I sat up, I felt like I needed to rub my stomach. And this was another impression I had. I, I was rubbing her back, which was on my right side. So she, so her her back was on my right, and then she was facing, looking out, like, at my left side. So I was rubbing her back, and as soon as I did that, her body, I could feel her muscles just calm down, and the tension was released. And it was Aww. so cool to be able to feel that. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, just doing that helped her be calm. And I remember right after that, I fell asleep. And that's when I woke up when the nurse said, you're complete. Oh, my gosh. So I feel like that really so cool. helped. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. I thought it was really cool. So she's like, you can push. And I woke up Megan yelling at her across the room. <laughs> and then <laughs> Megan had to wake up Clay, and he was, like, out. He was and then so Eve out. had left sometime. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember when Eve left, but she said goodbye to me and, and told me how proud she was of me. And then is it okay if I read just like a couple paragraphs from my journal because yeah. I better than I can say it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. So during my labor, I had four distinct impressions that I need to mention. The first impression was on the car ride to the birth center the last time. We were on our way to see Eve and she was going to do a vaginal exam to see how progressed I was. If I was miraculously in transition... I would stay at the birth center, suffer through the pain, and deliver Meredith there. If I was still only at a four, then I would go to the hospital for some pain relief so that I could let my body rest, which is what I felt like I truly needed. Rest was my second impression. Go to sleep and she will come. Came to my mind so fervently that I knew that this had to be my first priority during this labor. This is why I was so insistent with the OB and nurses to let me sleep before breaking my water. I knew that as soon as my water was broken... Labor would quickly speed up as it had done with my previous two labors. I needed the rest so that I could have energy to make it through the last part of my labor. The third impression was to avoid laying on my sides as much as possible. I had felt this way during all 48 hours of my labor and even refused to lay on my sides during the labor at the hospital. The nurses had kept flipping me from side to side to try to get nervous stats up. But someone looking out for us on the other side had whispered in my ear to insist on sitting up. As soon as I sat up, her stats began to greatly improve. The fourth and final impression I had was to rub Meredith's back on the side of my stomach. Since she was posterior, she was having trouble coming down the birth canal. As soon as I began rubbing her while she was still in my tummy, I could feel her tiny little tense body calm down. Her muscles relaxed. Mm. 
It was after this moment that I fell back asleep and woke up to hear I was dilated to a 10. So I pushed her out in, it was like literally less than one minute. It was literally less than one minute. Like, I, I have say, chills it right now. Even, yeah, this I episode like is like bringing chills between like, reviews and journals. Oh my gosh. Journals, like, holy That cow. was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm you, proud. we looked she at the clock and it was like 52 <laughs> seconds. Mm. Like really though, wow. <laughs> like in the same minute, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it didn't even move. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. She's I, amazing. I, it's so cool to look back and, and see like how all of these impressions, my motherly instinct, I wasn't crazy. Like all of these really did help get things going and it helped me to be able to deliver Meredith safely and I got my V back and even though I ended up delivering at a hospital and receiving an epidural I avoided that c-section and it's so cool to look back because everything happened how it was meant to and angels were by my side every step of the way and I honestly truly could feel the hand of God during every part of my Mm. pregnancy and my labor and, and the birth so that that was really neat. And this birth is really special to me. Oh, I love That's it. incredible. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm not kidding. Like we we're like comparing we're goosebumps like, right we're now. Like putting our arms up. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, chills! Like, oh, such an amazing story. And it was. It was a long ride, but it was an amazing one. And. I just, I do. I love, like, I remember when you're talking about it, like, okay, here's the game plan. Like, if I walk in, you know, this is what we're going to do. And I remember, like, you and I riding together in my van, you know, to the birth center and talking. And I just, there's so, I just have so much faith in everything that you were feeling and your intuition. And I was like, I'm going to go with whatever you say because I really, really do feel like it's, you know, deep down from your mama gut. So, I love it. Your story's beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I couldn't have done it without you. Just Aww. you you and Clay were amazing. Oh, I just love you. That is so I incredible. I appreciate it. I love you too. Oh, we, all, we all love each other right now. <laughs> uh, such amazing experience. I remember when Megan was um, texting me and updating me on all of that. And I, I just, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of a couple of things that go together and For those of you that didn't know, we just talked about it too. Like we have a class, um, an advanced VBAC doula certification program for doulas, specifically learning how to support VBAC parents better. And we have a class for parents that teach you how to increase your chances of VBAC success. And they're all online right now. We just launched a month ago and we are already having people completing the classes. They're getting rave reviews. People are telling us how much time we're saving them, how much more confident they are going into their birth plan, how much they can see how their provider might not be as supportive as they thought they initially were. And there's so much, so much time and effort went into these courses for me and Megan. Like we literally re-recorded all of the videos for our online course two weeks before they launched because we felt like the first version that we did wasn't quite right. So like we perfected and put a lot of um, time and effort into this. And the reason why is because Megan and I wasted a lot of time 
scouring the internet, searching mm-hmm. for Google, yeah. trying to figure out what's true, what's based on fear, what's evidence-based. Megan got yelled at in a Facebook group oh when she gosh. talked about having a VBAC after two C-sections. With a midwife out of the hospital. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was nuts. And our family hit, came at us with the objections and our yep. friends. Yep. And we spent a lot of time and energy on that. And we wanted to make it simpler for you. And so that's what we did. That's why we created this course to make it simpler for you. And so that you can have all the facts and evidence. I still have chills right now. Like what is going on with me? <laughs> I don't know. We have, it's not cold in here. <laughs> we have four pages of resources in the back from, from sources like ACOG and the World Health Organization and the American Pregnancy Association. Lots yeah. of like credible, midwife, legitimate yeah. things mm-hmm. that back up everything we teach in our course. Yep. So that you can come in, in your little condensed time because we did all the work for you in less than four hours online and four hours in person and we have this nice beautiful full color manual that we give you and we want you to come to our class and one of the things that we talk a lot about in our class is honoring your intuition Mm -hmm. we We say say a lot we say it a lot we say learn everything you can and then couple that with how you feel in your heart Mm -hmm. and then get the best birth team to support those two things that what's in your head and what's in your heart and together, you're going to have the best chances of, of you're going to increase your chances of VBAC success overall. But even if it ends up, and I hate to use the word success or failure for when relating to birth, but even if you end up in a repeat cesarean, you're going to feel like you had full control over your birth and you that you made the best decisions for yourself as long as you're following your heart. And I really want to point out a couple of things that Rachel did, and you'll probably, it's already really obvious, but... She listened to her heart. She listened to her impressions. One of the things we do as doulas when a when a client of ours has an epidural is rotating them from side to side or sitting them up. And Rachel knew that she did not need to be on her side. Mm-hmm. She knew that she should not be on her side. And she insisted that she wasn't on her side. And she insisted that she sit up when she felt like she needed to sit up. All of those things contributed to her to her getting her V back. And so, because like logically, you know, flipping from side to side is a logical thing to do. Yep. It's a, you know, it's a very like, it's in most cases, it's a smart thing to do. But for mm-hmm. some reason, Rachel's intuition told her not to do that. Yep. And so as doulas, we even advocate for this in our doula course. We tell our doulas, trust your client's intuition too, yeah. because that is going to be the best tool that will guide parents and doula clients Mm -hmm. to have the best birth experience that they can. Absolutely. So you can find out even more about our courses at the vbacklink.com slash courses. So go ahead and head over there right now. And then when you're done enrolling, send us a message and we're going to include something a little special in everyone's kit that enrolls from listening to this episode. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.